recording. All right, take us away, man. All right, you can stitch them together. It's like you remember that Homer Simpson episode? No, what? Or the Homer Simpson, the Simpsons episode, <laughs> where Homer's interviewed. You know that show with Homer Simpson, and I think there were other Simpsons it, involved. I can't remember. There the are a couple of it. more. Yeah, there's like a. Anyways, there's a there's a clock behind him, and he's being interviewed, and they like the clock just keeps jumping because they stitch it together to have him say crazy things. That's pretty good. Anyways, and just, no, I'm not gonna stitch any of this together, and so do it right the first time. Uh, let's do it. All right, <clears throat> intro us. Hello, Jan. Hey, Adam. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to kick off season two of CTF Radio. Let's welcome our viewers. Welcome, viewers. Hey, I'm viewers. Adam Dupay. I am I... Jan Shoshashashvili, a.k.a. Zardis, or Jan, or Dr. Jan, or uh, Mr. Dr. Jan, or Mr. Dr. Zardis. Any of those is acceptable? Exactly. And uh, you might know me from, um, me, Adam, from such YouTube hits as... Um, all the classes I have that are awesome, and my awesome Ponable KR walkthroughs, and just now CTF Radio. So, uh, we uh, ran season one of CTF Radio. The pandemic was raging. Uh, everything was going crazy. And uh, now, here we are, season two of CTF Radio beginning. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Exactly. So, um, this is a special episode. Uh, for one, I, Adam, um, am very excited about, uh, you know, just r- rolling, getting rolling again, right? Jan has been dragging his feet. He's constantly off on tangents. He's, uh, has this new shiny thing, this new shiny, he's got like a, 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 a hoodie that, that, that turns into a, 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 a martial arts uniform now. It's, it's just the whole thing. So, a um, couple of things right off the bat for uh, Season 2 that maybe we should uh, discuss. Actually, maybe first we should talk about uh, what CTF Radio is for those joining us today for the first time. Jan, do you want to introduce the concept? Sure, yeah. CTF uh, Radio is a concept that uh, Adam and Jan came up with to as a podcast to discuss the thing that we're just super passionate about, which is uh, cybersecurity and specifically capture the flag competitions. So me, Jan, and what I've actually found is when you're doing an impersonation of somebody, the more that you say you are who you are, it actually makes it better. That's right? brilliant, Jan. Yeah. I, Jan is, you're so smart. Me, Jan, is full of really good <laughs> ideas. That's why me, Jan, got a PhD. You know, I, I really right. studied a lot. And it came from my love of capture the flag competitions when I... You know, first started attending DEF CON with my friends, and I, um, my one of my great friends, Sean, we met uh, hacking into servers and messing with each other and really bonded over our love of Linux. And so we've rolled with this now that we're um, both of us old, uh, graying men, and now we're talking to the world about CTFs. Absolutely. And, and uh, as Adam, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is uh, making CTF more accessible. Right. Um, And uh, part of that is talking about it with a larger audience. Um, So, of course, it's easy to talk about Capture the Flag competitions with Capture the Flag players. And many of our listeners are Capture the Flag players. And to them, we hope to bring kind of a a new, interesting perspective, uh, interviews with new, interesting people and so on. 
to the outsiders, so to say, to CTF. We hope to bring a glimpse, a lens into a world where hacking is not the scary, weird thing that, that it's seen as from the outside, but where hacking is, as Jan would say, a dance. Mm, I'm not sure if I've ever said that as Jan, but uh, I do appreciate that. And actually, one of the things that I'm very passionate, me, Jan, is very passionate about is the notion of how do we take people who are really interested in cybersecurity, because we get a ton of people who contact us either through the podcast or through other means that are really interested in cybersecurity, they're interested in hacking, and they don't know how to get started. So me, Jan, I created this uh, site called Pwn College, which I mentioned about a thousand times during the first season of CTF Radio, and it was a and, way... And it makes sense. It's, it's an incredible website. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not only if... I, I mean, Yahoo was an incredible website in the 90s, That's but it right. was just a website. Pwn College is a revolutionary approach to teaching cybersecurity and hacking concepts and, through the pedagogical techniques of continued and deliberate practice. I think there's a movie that's very similar to this. Is it A Beautiful Mind? Uh, that might also be it. But um, I, 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 as, as Adam, I'm, I'm a big fan of Karate Kid. You know, the concept of wax on, wax off. Mm. Um, it's very, uh, sounds very related. Yeah, good job, Adam's on. Hi. Um, yeah, so uh, do you want to talk about, um, Jan, your, uh, the, 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 the Pwn College kind of um, news that we have today? No, I want to stop doing this monstrosity. <laughs> All right, not, ready that then? The real Jan forced upon us for this April Fool's right. episode. What? We said we'd do it 10 minutes. I think we maybe lasted four. We'll right. see how much I cut out of this. What? Two, three, April Fools! Oh, April Fools. I didn't know that. Was, let's try it again. One, two, three, April Fools! Psych! I'm Jan. I'm Adam. And yeah, so now um, I actually, there, you know, we were slightly joking there, but there actually has, you know, uh, Jan for the first time, as we did talk about, was running a completely open instance of Poem College. So anyone from around the world could join. Uh, along with students at ASU who are taking it for class. Um, so can you talk about what the students were like, that their skill level when they joined the class? Can you talk about uh, that mix between being open and how many students did you have open versus at ASU? And then where kind of they ended up that, at the end? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Pwn College, as, as kind of we talked about last semester, right? it was this, this experimental thing that was running during season one of the podcast and, and uh, evolving mm-hmm. during season one of the podcast. Um, devolving at all? Uh, maybe a little devolving, but mo- mostly we were evolving. Um, but sometimes you have to devolve to evolve. It's Like I said, hacking is a dance, right? Yep. There's back and forth. You say that all the time. I, I, it's I, definitely not something I've just heard you say <laughs> now for the first time. I, I You know, I do have a, a, a way with words sometimes. No, uh... <laughs> um... So uh, the, the the platform, the idea was that as someone fairly competent in computer science itself, but uh, not really a, a, a master at hacking, right? You should be able to sit down and uh, tackle these hacking competition or hacking, tackle these hacking uh, lectures and hacking lessons and hacking challenges, mm-hmm. right? And right. Um, as we uh, referred to during the April Fool's joke, 
segment, um, there is an inspiration of, of kind of a wax on wax off approach where you start doing these small steps and you do that over and over and over and over. And eventually you suddenly realize that, hey, I actually I can exploit a real program when, you know, all everything kind of comes together suddenly. So anyways, Pwn College is this uh, journey through like 12 modules of different aspects of, of um, software security. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because of COVID, it was also open to the world. So the office hours were streamed live on Twitch. I had a live kind of a demo uh, lectures on Twitch. I had all the lectures uploaded to YouTube, and, and they're still there, right? You can go to pwn.college. But to be clear, you did that on your own. It's not like COVID actually went and uploaded those videos and made That's those right. things. Yes, I, I, I did that. It had been a plan for a while, mm-hmm. but, you know, you, you can have this plan for ages uh, and, and, and many other plans. But the plan was always record YouTube videos, upload them, you know, et cetera, have this online resource. And of course, nothing ever happened, right? Always, it was the night before the lecture. I was like, well, I'm obviously not going to record it. I'll just do it live and then record it the day after. And that obviously never happened. And um, But with COVID, you kind of have to do it, right? right? Suddenly, we, we were all teaching online, et cetera. So this all uh, suddenly happened. And then once you're there, right? So if you're already having to deliver mm-hmm. the class online to the 70 yeah. or 100 students who are yeah. enrolled... Why not open it up to more people? Exactly. Why not open it up? And 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 at some point we're talking about basically uh, just just more server compute, right? So so that's what we did. Um, we opened it up. We had two hundred students in the class to begin with, mm-hmm. and uh, by the end of the class we had about a hundred and something ASU students uh, mm-hmm. remaining. ASU. Um, the students have a high drop rate. Like they, they sign up for more classes than they plan to take, and then they see which ones they're they're interested in, and so forth. Um, so that's fine. Um, the really cool thing is that we also had um, about probably over the semester we built up a core of about forty non ASU students mm-hmm. that really pushed through like like heavily the entire material alongside the students that were graded on it. Wow. Right. So these are students that that you know there's no no reason for them to put in all this work and Pwn College is an and enormous you, and when you say no reason you mean like they're not getting any credit for this I mean yeah. they're and it's kind of almost a a nice thing I mean as an educator you know one of the things we that always kind of stresses us out is when students are just trying to learn the material to yeah. get an A right yeah. where they they don't really they're not fully understanding it or fully understanding it deeply or applying it right I would much rather a student you know like be able to exploit things, understand the core of vulnerabilities and get a C or a B because yeah. they choose not to do whatever else where, versus a person who gets an A and doesn't like actually understand or appreciate the core that you're trying yeah. to teach. Yeah. Am, am I being too loud? For the I don't microphone? know. We'll figure it out. It. All right. Cool. Anyways. Um, yeah. So the, um, the interesting thing there, of course, is all these super dedicated people, like you said, that that it's like the inverse of the bad situation where you have a non-dedicated person that you know tries and tries and tries and, and gets an A, right. or like uh, learns and learns and learns, gets an A, and then flushes the material. Right. Um, you have these super super dedicated people that aren't getting the A, right? Um, and so I started thinking, not not just because of this. I also frame Pwn College as a dojo, right? And, you know, this 
uh, initially when trying to explain it to people, I said, okay, we, when you enter Pwn College or ASU CSE 466 course, you're a white belt in security, mm-hmm. right? In the same way, like when you walk into a, a martial arts dojo, you're obviously capable of like, you know, existing in a physical world, right? right. Yeah, moving your limbs. <laughs> but then you learn to do martial arts in the same way you learn to hack. Um, and and initially I said, okay, we, we start you off as a white belt and then we take you to a yellow belt, right? So you're kind of like a very introductory mm-hmm. hacker or you understand cybersecurity at an introductory level. And then... I kept stuffing the class full of more and more challenges and more and more <laughs> modules. And, and I mean, I think the first time I ran CSE 466, we had seven modules. Last wow. semester, we had 12, right? So that's like, and, and, and each module was bigger. And um, students were, were putting in enormous amounts of work, which, you know, I have ideas to mitigate. Um, but I realized we're no longer really stopping at the yellow belt level. There's, there's two points in the course, the middle and the end, where it's like, all right, we've kind of uh, moved into a different phase, right? So, so in the beginning, you know nothing about security, and then, then you know, like, kind of si- simple security. So, um, what are the things they would have to do by the middle of the course? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, um, in terms of modules, you learn um, how to uh, reverse engineer software, how um, to exploit simple memory corruption vulnerabilities, how to um, uh, write shell code and how to escape certain simple jails, right, sandboxes. Um, and I think those are the five uh, sandboxing shell coding. It's a slightly different order, but sh- a sandboxing shell coding, reverse engineering, memory corruption, I think is the five and then the four. And then the fifth one, oh, and then there's a, the, the first one is this program misuse module. Right mm-hmm. now it's a bit of a slog where you have to misuse like a hundred different programs to, to, to make them read files. Um, but uh, we have brilliant ideas, not to call ourselves brilliant, but to uh, really improve that for the next iteration. But so you have these five things, and then um, you uh, have this sort of uh, almost like a yellow belt test, right? Like like in, in a dojo, and that is putting all the things you've learned together mm-hmm. and and trying to do something very cool, and and it's surprisingly um, complicated things. Like uh, by the time students get their yellow belt, they have performed a um, JIT spray exploit against a just-in-time compiled custom architecture. I mean, blue belt. Yellow This belt. is yellow. Okay, wow. Yeah. Um, they, uh, so there's a custom architecture I wrote for reverse engineering practice called Yon85. And uh, one of the um, later levels of the reverse engineering is a blind reverse engineering attack against Yon85, where the instructions that architecture is randomized, mm-hmm. but you really have to uh, use different clever tricks to, to write shellcode for it. Oh, cool. Right? Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, I think this, this sort of uh, JIT spray uh, uh, Thing that that within Yon eighty five that um, the course the yellow belt portion of the course culminates in, I mean it's it's a proxy for a real problem, mm-hmm. right? Jit spray is used in uh, actual browser exploitation, yeah. um, and and all the building blocks are there. And so what happens at the end of yellow belt, right? Well, initially, excuse me, initially you just got your um, whatever A on that module and you moved on, and then the blue belt takes. Uh, 
students through advanced exploitation concepts, how to do ROP, how to um, exploit heap vulnerabilities. We talk about race conditions. Um, talk about kernel security, mm. right? By, by the time they finish the course in that last putting it all together module, they do um, a, a challenge that has a race condition that they exploit to induce, between threads, mm -hmm. that they exploit to induce a heap error that they then leverage into a write what where primitive that they then, uh, and a leak, uh, leak primitive that uh -huh. they then use to gain code execution inside a sandbox and then they have to escape it. It's, it's just, you know, uh, kind of much more complicated security scenarios than you would see. And so what happens like after the yellow belt, after the blue belt, obviously uh, anyone that, that finishes that blue belt section gets a, a name the course and and uh, when i talk about pwn college uh to people i say okay well and then later you you have you know the later stage um but i realized part way through well people should get something it's a very hard like everyone says yeah my course is very hard but but, but what but, about but don't hackers hack for recognition yeah so hackers um Hackers are an interesting group, right? So I think a lot of a lot of these hackers hack for a lot of these students that become hackers. They they hack for the thrill of truly understanding something well mm -hmm. enough to hack it, right? But I think recognition is uh hmm. I love the spotlight. Right, uh, but I, think... I don't know what you're talking about. You just you forced me into doing this podcast at the last possible moment. That's season two. Come on, um, this is a, a very so. So I, I really wanted some level of recognition for the mm -hmm. students that have really like yeah. really pushed through, and so um, I had this idea. I keep talking about belts, right? So why not <gasps> actual dramatic reveal belts? For Pwn College, right? When someone solves every mo every uh, challenge on the way to the yellow belt, they get the yellow belt when they pass that test. And the test is, of course, more hacking challenges. Same and, with the blue belt. And the reward is more hacking challenges. And the reward is more hacking challenges on the way to the blue belt. And, of course, you know, aside from the physical belts, which uh, the plan is to mail to every um, everyone that, that earned it, um, you also get uh, a spot on uh, the website. There's a blue belt and a yellow belt registry on, on the site. Nice. So something that actually people can point to maybe for applying for jobs exactly. or something. And it's it's something different than, hey, I got an A in some course, right? Yes. It's yeah. like a lot of people have taken that course. But And actually, this ties in very nicely for the fact that all of your course is basically available online. So an employer can actually see, okay, what does this actually mean? go through the course and see that, yeah. wow, this is a level of rigor that, you know, I didn't have, let's say, in my security course. Yeah, yeah that's the hope. The hope is that this will be actually uh, useful for people, um, the, the belts themselves. Um, the What's the uh, URL for Pwn College? Yeah, so the URL for Pwn College is pwn.college, right? So just like it sounds. Just like it sounds. Pwn College. Of course, I got these belts, and there was a slight problem. Let me uh, show the viewers. For, for those of you The microphone's are... over here, man. So. Oh, sorry. For those of you that are... Uh, Why don't I... Sh just do it. Keep going. For those of you that are uh, listening from home without video, um, unfortunately, the belts say Pome College, P-W-M dot college. 
Um, and I have a hundred of these guys. So I don't really know what to do about with a hundred misprinted uh, Pwn College belts. So if anybody out there would like to own the domain pwm.college, uh, feel free, <laughs> register it, and you know, and you talk to us. Exactly. We can hook you up with some belts. With some merchandise. Um, yeah, so um, anyways, eventually we will get properly spelled belts and uh, start sending them out. Um, but this was super interesting. Uh, what I found um, by the end is about half and half ASU and non-ASU students made it through the uh, the full belt um, level, and and you know this. And and by the way, uh, Poem College is still up. Poem College doesn't exist, but Poem College is still up and accessible, and you can go and and, and earn your belt even now, right? Um, but uh, it, it's it's very cool to see. As word spreads, more and more non-ASU students get impacted by this. I have someone emailing me like every week saying, hey, man, thank you for this resource. It was it was great, which is super touching. Um, uh, and at this point, I think we have a thousand uh, accounts, a thousand people on the, the um, site progress through some level. Um, let's say about 500 of them are like actually seriously in, in the process, which nice. is pretty exciting. Well, so not only, I mean, that's a, another interesting thing. Not only is it like a time-limited, you know, one-semester course, which it, it was, right? Mm-hmm. And there's clearly some benefit to those people that probably are doing it all together as a cohort, right? Yeah, Working of course. Through it yeah. together. But it's still available for people who want to go out there and try it and learn on their own yeah. and watch the videos and uh, tackle the challenges. Uh, that's uh, that's great. So then where do people go from there? So, you know, you're, you're a brandly a newly minted blue belt from Pullman College. Uh, what do you do from there? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Um, this was a, uh, it's obviously a very common question that, that students, especially students um, that learn, because a lot of students, they, they really get hooked on this material, right? Like um, like I did when I started CTF. And maybe for the people who, you know, it's been a while since mm-hmm. they did school, yeah. right? So a semester is 15 weeks. So this is a, 15-week, pretty intensive class that yeah. you have. And at the end, they, you know, have enough knowledge to be dangerous, right? And to start, I mean, more than dangerous, right? But playing in CTS, I mean, you've taken them up to a yeah. level of modern exploitation that really means they can actually, like, do some damage. Yeah, yeah. And, and the question is, of course, um, what does that actually translate to in the real world? Mm-hmm. So can these kids that go through and, and earn their blue belt, can they then move on to immediately making a real-world impact, right, in a security uh, context. And so I created another class um, at uh, ASU to explore this. And and, um, at the end of, for those watching from Pwn College, this was the follow-on class that unfortunately I couldn't open up to the world because we were, you know, trying to break real software. And and I think that would have gotten out of hand pretty fast. and basically what we did, uh, the very tail end of Pwn College actually covers um, some uh, first steps in automatic vulnerability discovery, mm-hmm. um, fuzzing and, and, and these sort of things. Uh, and what we did was we said, okay, we're going to have an entire class around vulnerability research. The idea is you pick a bunch of targets to analyze a real world target with, mm-hmm. with real impact that are used by real people. We're going to uh, analyze them. We're going to find bugs. 
We're going to create proof of concept proof of concept exploits for them, and we're going to submit uh, responsibly disclose those vulnerabilities, right? Um, and this was uh, basically I had this this whole syllabus written out and uh, super. Um, I was super excited about it. The students were super excited about it, and we actually did the class. And so now we're most of the way through the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that class is going to have a public stream on the Pwn College uh, Twitch uh, at the as our final exam on, uh, during ASU's final weeks, like uh, the last week of April. Cool. So that's uh, so that will be then. Um, what's the format of that final exam? Like, are you gonna? Is it videos of them taking tests? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like no, they run into some FERPA violations. Exactly. No, it's 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 a presentation. All the students are. Uh, so w- here's how we ran the class, right? We we took there were twenty students in the class, ten of whom were were fresh blue belts, right? And uh, ten of whom had some security experience before. And so we we mixed them all up mm-hmm. into five groups of four. Every group picked a target, analyzed it, and so forth. And so the the final exam that's just the time slot. Uh, that's that's we're going to have a the final exam basically their, their their presentation of you know lessons learned like what does um, this sort of bug hunting look like in the real world? What does exploitation look? What are the you know interesting um, uh, incentives and disincentives to actually you know bother with exploitation? Right. With all of this sort of stuff and uh so far just as a as a so wait frame us a little bit in the course right so we already said you know semester is about 15 weeks so mm-hmm. sitting now roughly where are we in that course yeah we're like 12 weeks in to the semester um nice. and uh so we have you know a couple of weeks left um i i originally had a schedule that i just kind of guesstimated on right so we would start in with um uh target selection and we spend a couple of weeks looking at targets looking at existing vulnerabilities in those targets seeing you know figuring out the security uh reporting channels stuff like that we would spend a couple uh, maybe two weeks creating a vulnerability analysis plan so you know are you going to fuzz it are you Mm -hmm. what 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 are you going to uh how are you going to find your bugs then we're going to spend a month finding those bugs I think at this point we're like at eight or, or nine and then the weeks in and then and then we would um, spend the rest of the time exploiting and then reporting these bugs. Um, the reality was a little different, hmm. right? So what we found was uh, students really quickly actually picked targets, hmm. right? Um, and this is because they already had some notion in their mind of some important software and like you know, when you talk about important, what kind of stuff are we talking about, right? Because there's the, you know, obviously there's things like uh, OpenSSL that we know underpins a lot of the web, or libcurl, or right. like there's different, you know, these fundamental pieces of, of the internet and the web that bind everything together that's yeah. used in tons of software. Yeah, so, so I actually somewhat encouraged them to avoid this super, like, critical software. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you why, it's because a lot of people are looking at it, yeah. right? And so I didn't want them to grab something like Google Chrome and then, you know, not find anything interesting there. Um, I'm sure they would, right? I mean, even, you know, Google Chrome has vulnerabilities, obviously. Right. But it's... Um, 
And so if we think about, I mean, maybe this is kind of the notion, right? If you think about the tree of vulnerabilities where the incredibly difficult ones are at the top and the really easy kind of ones that fall out, especially from automated, you know, fuzzing type methods, if somebody's applied AFL to the same program, it, they've already shook that tree and exactly. all the lower levels fell off. And so it becomes much harder to pick. Yeah. Uh, There's this really interesting concept that I think is well, it, it, it's kind of, common sense considered to be common sense but it's not actually well measured scientifically is that a program analysis technique makes itself obsolete very quickly <laughs> right because it very quickly if you if you have really something that's turnkey applicable you apply it to everything and now you have found all the bugs that is going to find and that right? is from the point of view of vulnerability analysis programs that actually i mean in some sense, that's the goal. I've never heard it phrased quite that way, mm -hmm. right? But the goal is it usually takes very expert knowledge to be able to, you know, analyze source code or a program to find these vulnerabilities. Yeah. So if you can, I've always phrased it like if you can turn that into a turnkey solution that any developer has can run, now you've kind of democratized that security yeah. knowledge and you're making the, you know, software, you know, definitely safer for everyone because of that. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't thought about it from the obsolescence perspective yeah yeah, yeah. and so um, but, but because of this of course unless you're going to uh create new analysis tools and techniques and i, I don't want to steal the thunder from my students presentation but they some of them have nice um and that's what we've if i can interject mm -hmm. this is something we found in our research right is yeah. If you look at a complex target like uh, our Favocado paper, right? It's like you look at a complex target, and if you look at a different, like a, a PDF rendering engine, and you look at, or um, or browsers, and you look at different parts that maybe nobody's thought, like different kind of glue layers. That's right. Uh, if you can try fuzzing that or in interesting ways or testing that in interesting ways, yeah. it will shake out bugs usually. Yeah. So, like, either these new, new techniques, new twists, um, new targets, even sub targets within an already right. you know one of the things again not to steal too much uh, thunderbird like even for well analyzed targets there are there are there are programs that are considered to be very well analyzed mm -hmm. that it turns out only small parts of them are very well analyzed right and you mm -hmm. can easily stray into very unexplored territory and find a bug so uh, <laughs> the the yeah, it's interesting actually sorry i'm just thinking about like the you know, if you think of the universe of people fuzzing different software, mm -hmm. and we, we kind of think about it in terms of research of the, the AFL bitmap, right, mm -hmm. uh, or the bitmask mm -hmm. of, of things that have been hit. So if you think about that happening globally, nobody's sharing that data, so nobody actually knows right. what's hit or it's not hit. And so you could imagine so much CPU cycles are wasted because people keep yeah. fuzzing the same stuff that everybody yeah. else does, but nobody actually knows what it is. Yeah, there's something really interesting. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, and I think this is like, this is a good role for academia to have, where I think uh, academically a lot of these concepts can be explored. Um, it's just, I mean, it's a question of manpower. Everyone, right. everyone is uh, very spread out during doing a lot of crazy other research. Um, but it'd be cool to see research on this. But but for whatever reason, basically the the students, I I, I encourage the students not to tackle stuff like chrome or or just right. very very you know like ssl uh, lib ssl stuff like this but the students um picked some some very cool targets um again not to steal the thunder yeah, don't don't say any of the specifics let's yeah. say i think that'd be good yeah yeah things things uh that that people real people use um and they very 
quickly started finding it's blood. Software that I've used, actually. I know this for a fact. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so they, so basically, the in some sense, the target selection part, not that this is super important knowledge, but it uh, just kind of delayed the class a bit because mm-hmm. everyone had their targets. And then I was like, all right, then next week we're going to do the final target presentation. And they're like, yeah, but we just... So we just had like kind of two weeks where we talked about the same thing. So, you know, a little bit of this sort of growing pains in the new class. Um, and then they started analyzing. And, and this was an interesting um, phase because uh, in, in the end, a lot of this class is a lesson about how to do VR, right? Um, because, vulnerability research. For that's everyone. right. Yeah. Vulnerability research, um, not v- virtual reality. Um but you know it's it's very easy to kind of have a very layman's understanding of all right we just you know put AFL in uh, you set it up and then run this in AFL but the reality there's a lot of tweaks and a lot of you know uh harnessing uh tweaks and you can actually go and say okay well why is my program running slow in my fuzzer well oh hey it's because there's this sleep there for whatever reason to make the interface look nicer or whatever right right? and so you know you can you can start really digging deep and uh talking about you know uh, making bugs more evident because of how you compile it with sanitizers etc and and a lot of these are to practitioners to whom i would frame uh, as brown belts in the um cybersecurity uh on the pwn college kind of dojo map this is obvious, but right. to blue belts, it's not yet obvious, right? right. And so th- this was a very cool um, journey for a lot of these teams on the way to uh, starting to, to fuzz and, 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 and to do other analyses and to uh, get these bugs. And actually, uh, I should have, you know, th- this took a surprisingly long time, right? And then the actual analysis and and it was it's the cyclic process you right. try the analysis then you look at you know why didn't it find any bugs right. you look at what was the cover you look at a lot of things then you try it again and then you iterate and so forth um and so then students started finding bugs right and and this is very exciting and bugs in real stuff used by real people um and then the course fell apart the original plan <laughs> right so the original plan was find uh, identify targets find the bugs Exploit the bugs, re- uh, report the bugs. But, so, but of course, I guess, sorry, if I guess, kind of when you think of find the bugs, does that that so you know essentially when thinking about it from a fuzzing perspective, right? What your nuts and bolts of what you're doing, you're running a fuzzer that's running some input, so you have input that crashes the program. Yeah, but that actually tells you nothing about the bug itself, right? You actually exactly, yeah. Yeah, so like the finding the bug part is not the same thing as a crash. Exactly. And and, and this is one place where things went, well, not south, just a little unexpected, right? Yeah. Um, in that I had, I think I had like a week planned in the whole course for like vulnerability through triage or something. <laughs> I don't remember how much, but like, I mean, some of my students are, are still triaging bugs they found, you know, maybe a month and a half ago, right? right. Because these are large programs with, you know, just, just complex stuff going on and it's, uh, many components, right? Programs. And these are even on reproducible crashes, right? In yes. Where it's deterministic, this input crashes Absolutely. this program. Yeah, and it's still, I mean, you know, the input might dive through four different libraries right. that are all themselves. So there's even this fundamental, is 
what's what's screwing up is it you know the libraries and and it's just different kind of fundamental attribution error exactly exactly (laughs) it's it's super super interesting um and uh so so that's that's one unexpected uh thing that i mean in retrospect it makes sense another one is the moment you find a bug you want to report it you don't want to sit around exploiting this bug because someone else might stumble on it mm. and report it and patch it. And in fact, this happened for the first couple of bugs that, that my students found. Not with, within each other, right? But just No, generally. just in general, like right. uh, out in the world, there was someone else analyzing this piece of software. And so then we're like, all right, well, th- what we're going to do is we're going to report it and then we're going to exploit it, right? And so then they would report it and then mm-hmm. they, they, they get their CV and they're like, all right, let's exploit it. But at that point something very surprising happened surprising to me i was always like an exploitation we're gonna exploit this real world software we're gonna make it dance you know and uh but yeah but why we already it's already fixed in the real world we already had our impact let's just find the next bug right right and so uh it, it, it was this super fascinating takeaway for me um that you know the exploitation wasn't the biggest draw. The biggest draw was, you know, finding and fixing those bugs. And do you think bug bounties may have... Because I don't think any of the... At least to my knowledge, I don't know that any of the students are directly submitting to bug bounty programs, right? They're reporting to developers yes, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like there's a direct monetary incentive for them to just find as many CVs as possible. But if you think about that from the bug bounty perspective, right, the goal is find a bug, not necessarily create an exploit that fully exploits that bug. Sometimes you need to do that to prove that whatever you're doing actually does work, right? And so that's definitely necessary. But yeah, from the perspective of return on investment from a bug bounty perspective, right, it makes sense. Find as many things that indicate a bug as possible, report it and move on and don't ever go back unless they push back and say it's not yeah. that important. Right? Yeah. And then and then exploit it and show the the Exactly. That it, like, it, no, you have to be 10k and not 5k or whatever it is. Exactly. And I think because we aren't targeting the sort of monetary there's no monetary incentive for the exploit in the class and the grading criteria doesn't it, it's actually I mean I I just want to see them do awesome stuff, right? right? I'm not like concerned with eight exploits or whatever. I mean, you know, why, right? So uh, the with the incentive of the exploit actually removed, uh, their 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 enthusiasm seems diminished for exploitation, <laughs> which which then also ties in with CTFs, right? Because CTFs are this perfect laboratory that force you to not only find the bug but also write that exploit and yeah. then. In an attack defense CTF, patch the vulnerability and go through other people's patches to find ways to bypass those patches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the question, of course, becomes like, is this as relevant as we... uh, Is the relevance of this in line with our excitement for it? For CTFs. For CTFs, yeah. yeah. Um, And and this is, in some sense, uh, a taboo topic in CTF, right? Because... I think it is very clear that CTF is very relevant to security, right? right. You have top CTFers then uh, going on to impactful security careers, um, impactful uh, vulnerability research careers, uh, you know, at, at, at in Microsoft security, Google security, um, 
and 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 their own companies and pwn to own and, mm-hmm. and academia and so on um so I, I don't think the value of ctf is necessarily under question but i think as part of that general topic we're always very defensive of ctf right yes this is relevant you do need to understand how to do you know uh, counterfeit object oriented programming in order to you know there's there's some value of it in, in security um, yeah and I think that the you know going and we actually you know probably on the flip side is we've heard and we probably can't name any names of any companies mm-hmm. but we've talked to people who work inside companies in their security organizations who do essentially vulnerability research on the company's own products mm-hmm. They find bugs and they can't even convince the own their own developers within the company yeah. to fix these problems, even though they have, let's say, the equivalent of a crashing input or they know exactly what the bug actually yeah. is. And so we've heard from them that that is the point where you actually do need to write the yeah. exploit to demonstrate the impact to get other people to fix it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's different. Maybe, and I don't know if it's open source that that's why that's different because, you know, the... I don't know about the threat of a CVE, but like a, you know, a CVE being out there about a thing is something that a develop like really incentivizes a developer to fix that. Whereas if it's internal to the company and they can say, yeah, but nobody else knows about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure why. Yeah. I, I do agree that development being done in the open changes those incentives as mm-hmm. well. Right. So it lo- just looks bad if your stuff, crashes right and i wonder if the other thing i was thinking about i wonder if the fact that they have access to source code makes this a little bit easier because you can maybe more even you know without doing the whole exploit if you're able to take that crashing input analyze the source code and yeah through libraries and stuff gets crazy right but but at least doing some kind of root cause analysis is is a little bit easier than doing that on a binary yeah, you can also instrument things a lot more, right? So you can you can compile with the full standardization and see kind of exactly what might be impacted. Yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 very interesting to me. I haven't quite. I, I hopefully we'll have developed that philosophy a bit more by the the kind of final class stream. Um, but there's something there to me, yeah. like something... you graduate from Pwn College and you join Crash College. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, it 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 it's just a very, it's almost a scary thought to me, you know, because the second half, the blue belt course is all about automatic exp- or not automatic, advanced exploitation, right, right, and and advanced exploitation, you know, I mean, do you really need, maybe even Rob is Rob, should we stop teaching Rob? I don't know. I like Rob. I think it. it, it... Well, I mean, conceptually, you can look back and say, well, if we never, let's say, invented Rob, mm-hmm. we'd be in a really bad place because any crash, That's anybody right. would say, well, we have ASLR, so who cares? Yeah. 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 Whereas maybe there's. Non executable stack, everything done. Yeah. In the shadows, the Rob is being used. So, yeah. So, of course, we, <clears throat> from that perspective, yeah, I agree with you. Or, you know, I, I guess the other thing it makes me think of. So there's clearly that spectrum, right, of, like, clearly for people who are doing purely offensive security work where their job is to find these bugs, write the exploits for them, and then never tell anyone so that they don't get fixed, right? Like, that is clearly those skills are needed. And I guess we and you had hoped that those 
skills and that desire translated over to the defensive side of yeah. things of proactively finding bugs before attackers yeah. use them. And 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 I think th- th- that dichotomy is interesting because what I feel now is you have the yellow ba- belt as a foundation, and then you almost have two different tracks. Mm. You have the exploitation track where you go down that blue belt, you know, path, the the path of the warrior. Then you have the path of the protector or the paladin. Let's say I don't know, where that's this course. Right, that's automatic bug finding and and, and triaging and understanding mm, and responsible disclosure and maybe fixing it and you know. Yeah. Uh, but that I guess, and then the other thing I'm maybe I'm thinking about, and actually this brings up a good point. Maybe we we know people that we can talk to who do the kinds of vulnerability analysis on high value complex targets like browsers, which have multiple levels of mm-hmm. defense that what we know from pwn to own and those kinds of things is to successfully you know fully bypass sandbox and everything requires not one bug but like four or five bugs and the i think it's the chaining together and that glue like where from what i understand a lot of the ctf you know exploitation mindset comes in right it's about what kind of capabilities do i have at this stage Mm -hmm. that lets me get to this other thing that leaks this Mm -hmm. thing that i can use to then jit spray and do this other thing and so um yeah maybe it's it's one of those, you know, maybe just to be a uh, an internet uh, software janitor of just like, I'm just going to clean up and find some bugs. Like, you don't need yeah, a ton yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know, to but to fuzz things well and correctly and at the scale you want. Is There's insane, a skill there, yeah. Insane yeah, skill. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's interesting. But maybe with more complex, more more interesting or more, yeah, complex, hardened targets, these skills become, that. maybe that's the sep- the gap in the separator. Yeah. And, and and maybe it's it's also like a future thing where like probably to tackle something like Chrome in any meaningful way you need all of the the, the skills but you know like you said there's plenty of uh, cleanup work to be done before you run out of it right um, yeah I but it it really makes me feel like so my my plan for next year had been to split Pwn College into two classes mm-hmm. the yellow belt class and the blue belt class but now I'm thinking three classes <laughs> but but now there are only two semesters in a year so now we have this problem yeah. where you know if, if someone takes 466 in their senior year they have to choose one route I, I don't know I don't know what the right answer is cool well I don't know that we have you know the the beautiful thing about well guess i could say life or you know academia or whatever is that you get to reiterate and refine these things just like you've seen pwn college right i mean the the thing that maybe didn't really come across is you only actually like this one that you ran fully open was the third iteration of that's right yeah right it was so you actually you and connor were able to refine pwn college to the point where it actually you know could support that you weren't hitting you had growing pains because of number of people right but but you weren't hitting like fundamental things that you i know you guys reworked that every time oh yeah 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 no it was um it was very interesting because like for example the first time we ran um cse 466 what you know pwn college um we i think are in the third week i looked at the roster and i was like 75 to 80 percent of the people are going to fail this course what is you know what is going on and what is going on is i already had too much material mm. so for example i think at and that at that point we were on reverse engineering and i realized that just throwing these poor kids at at increasingly complex elves is just insane 
Um, so one example of an innovation we made was teaching challenges mm-hmm. where um, every other challenge would basically say, hey, I'm going to walk you through right. my own solution like in, in process, like printf, the current value of blah is blah and so on, right? Um, and this raised the, 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 the rate of people passing the class to like, you know, two thirds just from that change. Wow. Right? And there were other changes we made, but you know, over the years we've been um, uh, remixing it. So, and, and this is a, just another step in that remixing. Exactly. It. So it's more at the high level and understanding where these classes fit in kind of the overall curriculum and your understanding of the progression. But yeah, I think there's definitely obviously very good value in students, uh, you know, applying this technique to real world targets. Right. I mean, you know, beyond the the kind of obvious benefits, like you can graduate and point to some CVEs that you have, uh, so it makes it easier to get a security mm-hmm. job, I think. But other things of, like, reading code, like, un, you know, to write a harness for somebody else's system, you actually have to understand something about that target and that system. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a hugely important skill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I, I think my... I don't know what my expectation was for this SQL course. The, it's not SQL, obviously, but the the sequel to Bone. I was going to make that joke. Thanks. Sorry, uh, but it it the course definitely feels much more important as a concept than I had. I thought it'd be a, a cool experiment that right. we do once and then you know cool we did it you know but but I think there's there's definitely something really interesting there that I kind of felt similarly when we started down the the pwn college route or that that you know w- walk to starbucks or no it wasn't starbucks what was the coffee shop you would go to a lot uh, uh it has some year which 18 1876 maybe yeah it's some famous historical year that had to do with the u.s so i feel bad that i don't know it yeah anyways there's a a coffee shop on campus it's very cool it's like a charity coffee shop right so it's attached to a salvation army um, and you know, you could, I don't know if you ever did this, like you could buy a, a coffee sleeve to tack on the wall and someone could just take that coffee sleeve and redeem That's it for, right. That's right. for free coffee. Um, it had really, I mean, I, I, I say had, I have no idea if, if it survived exactly. the, the pandemic. I haven't uh, looked, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very, uh, very cool place so we would we would go there every day and on the way back we were just talking about cybersecurity education mm-hmm. and like how there's got to be some sort of like a practice ability of it yeah i felt there an interesting thread that that i also feel somewhere is hidden under this course mm. right which is very very interesting yep but anyways that's enough about poem college or poem college um people are saying they're talking about the poems the poems yeah exactly i like the pulse width modulation too that's that's a good one maybe i should talk to the physics department about these belts um if you could explain that to them maybe they'd listen to you (laughs) exactly uh let's talk about season two yes in the middle of season two yeah yeah, yeah. so we're, we're obviously running season two what's our plan so the plan is we're going to try to do um, a little less frequent because the weekly schedule is a little bit demanding. Yeah. 
So we don't know the exact cadence. We're probably going to experiment with some things. Uh, probably every other week is what we're looking at. Um, yeah, and we've been, you know, got some really good feedback from actually the last season to of some things that people wanted to see. And so, yeah, bringing in, you know, I think it's explore some of the ideas we're talking about now. Um, ex- talk to other CTFers, new teams. I think something that's always interesting to me is you see, you know, in new CTFs, like a new team pops up in the top mm-hmm. 10 and you're just mm-hmm. like, who is that team? Mm-hmm. Right. And that only it spreads through the grapevine and the CTF discord and like, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's fascinating looking at who's there. I really want to dig into the past. I know we should start trying to take advantage of people, um, who we know who organized, you know, previous yeah, iterations of DEF, Con, of, uh, DEF Con CTF. I think, I really want to try to capture the that early CTF hacker scene and get those stories down so that we kind of have them. Yeah. And with, with things slowly starting to open up, I think it would be really awesome to go, you know, we talked about it, you go on site and, and talk to, I don't know, the, 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 the people running the CTFs mm-hmm. live, if they have a moment, right? Yeah. You know, this, yeah, this that'd be very cool. So as you're, you know, thinking about the CTFs that you're organizing as they start maybe being in person, uh, think about it. Uh, you can shoot us an yeah. email or uh, whatever and uh, invite CTF Radio to come and do a live. We could, yeah, we could actually literally do it live. We could do it recorded, whatever. Yeah, I think it, there's a lot of cool opportunities. Um, it's an exciting time uh, in the CTF community. I actually, I, I feel there's there's a lot of this, I mean, excitement everywhere, right? Obviously, as the yes, world starts, very much. Uh, you know, moving toward a reopening. Um, yeah. I don't know. What else should we talk about? Uh, my awesome hoodie. I've said multiple times on this podcast that we're not a fashion show, but I'll do you this one thing since we have the camera right here. Stand up, turn around, do your little fashion thing. So... Check no, no, it out. you can't talk when you do this because the microphone is over here. Oh, you're right. So, you can... Uh, Adam, why don't you narrate as I... And we can see here... Oh, walk down the aisle. Can you walk... No, no. Do you not... Like a catwalk, man. Like you're a model. Okay, if you can't see That's it, he's weird. walking towards the thing. No, like sideways. Okay, walk... Start from over there. I'm going to direct him. Start from the corner. Walk down here. Do your, like, strut. But do it slow-mo so I can talk about it more. And uh, in this next outfit, uh, we have Jan Shoshastashvili, who's a model from uh, Eastern European uh, descent, specifically Russia, but he immigrated here as a as an, um, uh, young, uh, young man. And now he's, you can see he's uh, wearing a, uh, what looks like a hoodie, but on close inspection you say, wait, is that a hoodie? No, it's not a hoodie. It's actually a gi. So it's a mixture of a gi and a hoodie with a... Uh, nice detailing on the inside of the hood and it has a logo on the front and the i really like that asymmetrical cut i bet that's coming up in the the next uh, season in the fall fashion style so uh and you know folks at home what would go great with a gi like this a poem college belt <laughs> perfect all right well uh, i swear no one Paid us to do that, or even gave us a free gi. This actually, this gi cost real money. You paid I, real money. I guess if you want to send me one, I'll take one for free. But so I actually bought two, <laughs> what? and I wish I could gift it to you on the show. But um, when they came out, they they'd been sold out for years, right? And 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 this was the only 
shockingly, the only gi hoodie hybrid. What? I know. That's insane. Right? So I, I'd been monitoring this thing closer than like the 3090, you know, uh, sales points and so forth. But um, I, I got the notice that they're uh, in stock and I go and like, I'm getting one. And then I had this moment of terror where like, okay, you know, normally I, I wear medium stuff, but, but it was the pandemic and should I buy a large? Wow. And what if I buy a medium and then they sell out and, and I, I have to ah, starve myself to fit into I it, see. you know? And so uh, I bought both. The medium is what I'm wearing. It turns out I, I uh, the pandemic uh, <laughs> was, I managed to make it through still being able to fit into the medium hoodie and I returned the large and that, that worked out great. But I, I mean, you, you, you're probably a medium size too. So, so you don't have two. I have. I had a medium and large. Okay, and you bought it. two. If I had two, I would have gifted you Jesus. the second one right now. I'm I know. Super I got glad you. we actually dodged that bullet. I got you. Super excited. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, super excited is one way of framing it. Exactly. Exciting. Cool, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna. So you can see we're in a new setup. We've never done it like this yeah. with our. Usually we're doing this on our computers. Uh, so I'm gonna try to freestyle the uh, the outro. And in the meantime, I'm probably not going to edit this episode very much. So I think this raw, you're getting raw uh, Jan and Adam in their natural Boom. habitat. So uh, thanks everyone for listening. We're, uh, I'm Adam D. He's Zardis. Together we are CTF Radio OOO. Uh, you can find us online at CTF Radio.OOO. Is that right? CTF Radio.OOO. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, ctfradio30s at gmail.com. And this is where we got some great people who've been uh, sending us suggestions, uh, viewers and listeners, about uh, what they'd like to hear in future seasons. Um, and it, we're on Twitter at uh, CTF Radio, and so you can also find us there. Uh, and I think that's it, man. I don't know what else to say. So Should we do a high five to close it out? All right. Remember we haven't been this close literally in a year. Yeah. It's been a weird uh, day. So. It's exciting. All right. High five. Boom. Boom.